as a teacher, I don't know that I ever asked my students to describe to me what their study habits were. Of course, I implemented strategies to help them learn, but asking them what strategies they already had wasn't something that I had considered. After this episode, I will be asking my students in the future. And the other critical thing that I learned from listening to Shreya and Julia was giving kids the idea and knowledge that the work they are doing is for a purpose and not just to complete for the sake of completing. That that requires me as an educator to evaluate why I am asking students to do the work that they're doing. In this episode, I interview Shreya and Julia, co-hosts to a podcast called Id, Ego, and Us. I found them on Twitter and thought it was really cool as students that they had created their own podcast. to the podcast Education Unimagined, where give students an opportunity to share their voice in a system where often their voice is unheard. I ask them to share their experience and advice on how we can improve the experience for everyone. Welcome to Education Unimagined. I'd like for you to introduce yourself. I'm Julia. We have a podcast called 80 Going Us. We started it in the year of 2021. And it began to create something because we don't have a lot of chance to control the things in our lives. And we wanted something that was our own. And we were bouncing ideas off of each other. This was one of the crazy ideas we thought of. We didn't think we'd really go through with it. And then we did. And it's been over a year. We met in a freshman year English class. And there was this project that we did on Sigmund Freud's theory of the id, ego, and superego. And it's been like an inside joke for us. And from there, we got our name. But I honestly didn't think that we would get this far. Like, I didn't think that we would have a year's worth of episodes. We did summer sips, short 10-minute episodes for the summer. And they were all summer themed. And that brings us to today. So you were friends. And when you started, was this a way to sort of connect as well? At the moment, our school was hybrid. So I was full remote, but she went to school a couple days. So it was a project born out of COVID. I would say COVID, honestly for all the bad that it brought made this a lot easier because we would have had no idea how to record this but now we do all our recordings through zoom which i had no idea what that was beforehand it brought us closer to technology and we would have had no idea how to do this without covid it made talking to each other online staring at each other's face on a screen easier how did you guys come up with your name how did you come up with how you were going to do your podcast so id ego and us is a theory by sigmund freud we had to do a project on the id ego and the us in school and it became super ego we made up the theory is what happened but i kept making fun of her for the id ego and super ego project so it became an inside joke for us how did your ideas on how you would facilitate different topics and different conversation segments how did those come up for you guys it was like 11 o'clock on a weekday night where me and julia were texting about what we would do and we were like let's do a podcast And then immediately we got so hyped and we started a Google Doc at like 1130 at night and we started typing potential names, potential segments. We wrote down this huge list of everything that we could talk about. 
We were just hyped and we still have that document somewhere and it's going to be worth millions when our podcast takes off. It used to be four segments every episode. Now we kind of do whatever we feel like, but usually just because we get bored very easily and I feel like listeners also get bored very easily. So we just like to switch it up a lot and we also don't have too much to say about one topic. So do you guys have the potential would you rather questions set up ahead of time? Before we record our episodes, we write down what would you rather questions we would do but very often we wait till like the very last (laughs) second like right before we record it we're sitting here can you find some would you rather questions can you look them up on google that seems typical of a student at your age i don't think that's unique as an educator when i give a long-term assignment do you structure your time and like do you still do it at the last minute Usually for me and my teachers, long-term assignments are some kind of project or like studying for an upcoming test. For projects, I usually don't leave it until last minute. What I do is I prep everything. I start with a blank document and write down everything that I need for the project. There's usually a rubric, so going off of that, I make an outline and then I wait a day before it's due to actually put it together and compile it and make it look. And then when it's test, it's usually broken up into topics or units. Let's say I have two weeks, I go like, one unit a week and like just review it. I structure it better when it's a test, but when it's a project, I put it off to last minute kind of. I was going to say it's kind of similar for me, but our schedules are very tight and I found that I am a very lazy person if I don't hold myself accountable. So I get things done as soon as I possibly can, unless, and if I know that I'm going to enjoy the project, I wait to do it because I know that I can get it done really quickly. And so I just wait until the last day possible to do it because I know that I'm going to have fun doing it. Whereas if I know I'm dreading that project, then I get it done as soon as possible because I know that it's going to take me until the day before regardless because I will sit in front of the computer for three hours and do nothing and then be like, I did a lot of work. Let me go get a snack. We're done for the day, even though I've done nothing. It just depends on the project for me. I was listening to you guys. I was thinking, I wish as a teacher, I had asked my students to share their strategies. I don't think I've ever done that. And I don't know that we do. I also don't think that students really develop their strategies right away. My question is, do you think there's a place for students to share how they prepare, how they study, how they organize? And how do you think that as teachers, we can facilitate that? In my personal experience, and I think I can speak for most students, there really isn't a place. It's you go to school, you get your assignment and you go home and you do the assignment. It isn't really a place to talk about anything, which is sort of the reason we made the podcast, because we can talk about whatever we want, whenever we want. As for how teachers can facilitate that for the most part just about talking to your students as more than students for example I'm taking AP Lang this year and our teacher we spend an hour of the class just talking and we learn while he's talking but it just seems like we're having a conversation the entire time and he puts a lot of emphasis on doing things for a reason and whenever I'm doing homework it helps with doing it with purpose rather than just completing a task doing it because I want to learn and I know what it's doing for me I love what Julia just said my history teacher is the same way but I like that he made that connection that these are things that still affect us and so that we should be educated about are some websites and like software available to like keep track of everything for example I use something called notion it's this productivity software and you can make little databases tables, and calendars and it's like completely customizable when I have an assignment I write it down on notion and then later I can add how important is this because I'm more likely to put more effort into studying for a test than a grade 
Do you see other opportunities in your school system that provide leadership opportunities, opportunities for students to make mistakes, sort of learn from their mistakes and proceed forward? Yeah, I think there definitely are a lot of leadership opportunities, but you also have to be the kind of student who seeks them out because if you just go to school and leave at 2 p.m., every day. You're just not a part of the school environment and you won't have a leadership opportunity. But making mistakes is something that honestly, in my personal experience, there isn't a lot of room left for that. That same English teacher, his first point was you're going to make mistakes and that is the point of this class. That was so refreshing to hear and I realized that I have not heard that very often that we should be making mistakes. That is the only way to learn, I think, and we're just not given that opportunity. In leadership positions, you're not given that opportunity in school. I remember at my old school, there were definitely more leadership opportunities there than there are at my new school. Our old school is huge, so there obviously are a lot of students leading to more opportunities, but the thing is, sometimes they're hidden and like Julia said, you have to be the kind of student to go and seek them. Like you need to talk to the teachers. You need to ask questions. At my new school, it is way smaller. It's completely different. And so now the opportunities are a little more visible and accessible to students. But there are a lot of students doing leadership outside of school, like volunteering. I think that you have more voice when you're doing leadership outside of school. I think that it's more helpful to like venture out. You have this whole realm of opportunities and just take on the opportunity. And Julie, I'm really glad that you brought the idea of mistakes back because I agree with you. I don't think we allow students to see that mistakes are allowed and acceptable. And I think part of that is because often we're not seeing leaders making mistakes, or if they do make mistakes, they don't accept responsibility for those mistakes. How do you respond to feedback in general? I just, I I really appreciate feedback, especially when it comes from teachers. I like to know what I can do to be better. From the way that teachers speak to us, it seems as if that's not a common thing and that they think that we are just in school to get good grades and not to learn because we're being forced to be at school. So if we're being forced to be there, then we must not want to be there. But I, if I'm being forced to be somewhere, I want to learn and I want feedback. And in terms of things not even in school, I generally like to do things to the best of my ability. And if receiving criticism is the way to do that, then I like to receive criticism. I don't know. Maybe some people can't handle it, but I enjoy criticism and I feel like most people should. What is the best form of feedback that teachers have given you? Uh, it depends on the class. I like one-on-one just so they can explain what it is I'm doing wrong and I can ask questions. Our freshman year English teacher was so good. She would grade your essay and she'd give it back to you with a grade on it. And she would only leave comments and really wants it. For math, I don't really like the notes on the side because I feel like if I don't get something in math, then it's something that I actually don't get. And the notes will confuse me even more. And so I'd rather go through problems with the teacher. My calc teacher is so helpful with this because he has this board right next to his desk and he walks through each problem. He makes me write down the problem and goes through each step with me. So that's what I need, not comments from math. What advice would you give to peers who are just beginning high school or their adolescence? What advice would you give them? I think that my advice would be to prioritize yourself I feel like what I should be saying is to spend a lot of time worrying about college and doing community service and taking all the AP classes that you can. But after a year of trying to do all of that, it's very tolling on your mental health. And if you know where you want to go with your life, then 
you will put in the work to get there, but taking the time to take care of yourself is a lot more important. The best piece of advice I ever got from a teacher was not to take an AP class that you wouldn't enjoy learning. I'm only taking classes of things that I would consider having a career in. Just do what you love and throw yourself into that, but not to the point that it'll break you. I think the number one piece of advice that I have for anyone of any age ever is that you don't have time. That deadline that's coming up in three weeks, no, that's tomorrow. Get your stuff done. I wish I'd realized that earlier, like when I just started high school, because I just don't have the time for anything. Like like Julia said, it's not helpful to do a million different things because it's like quality over quantity. I think just in general, organize yourself. Those are some great pieces of advice. And I, this is my favorite segment of my podcast because I never know what people are going to say. And I love that. What advice would you give to your teachers if you could tell them anything? Like I said before, talking to your students as if they're more than just students, even if you don't like them, they really are just students. It makes them feel happy to go to school and maybe excited to be in your class at the very least. I think that in most classes, it's the same structure every single class. We open our computers, she talks, and then we type. This is just that every single class. So I wish that we had a little bit more variety in what kind of assignments we do. It gets really repetitive and tiring at times. I like going into class not knowing what we're going to do. Because if I already know that we're going to be typing a paragraph and then talk about it with our peers and we're going to get peer-reviewed, it doesn't like excite me that I have to go and sit there. I completely disagree with you. <laughs> I would hate that. I love classes where I know exactly what I'm going to do because it makes me anxious to walk in. I walked into my English class the other day and the chairs were in a circle. And my immediate thought was we're doing a debate. And I missed the last class. And that scared me so much. But we didn't do a debate. He just wanted us in a circle. I don't know why. But I hate not knowing what we're going to do. I like the classes where I know. I don't know. I like structure. Shreya just likes, she wants to be surprised. I don't like that. I have found that every student is different. And if I try to cookie cutter my experience, then I'm going to miss this kid and this kid and this kid. But going back to what you said, Julia, like have conversations with your students. If I know Julia is going to be anxious when she walks in and sees the chair, maybe I have the agenda on the board and she can see that it's not a debate. So it's a little bit of throwing Shreya for a loop and giving her something new, but also appeasing the need for Julia to kind of not have that anxiety of like, how do you encourage others to use student voice? You have found an opportunity to use your voice. How would you encourage other students to find their voice? People our age and everyone else has this really distorted view of public speaking. And going back to student voice and sharing your ideas, people are scared. People have great ideas, but I think that people get anxious sometimes to share their ideas. Tell them that it's really not that bad. Nobody's going to make fun of you and it's okay. How I've taken charge of that at my school and my community is I started a TED club. A group like that would encourage people in your community. I think I would say find an outlet that works for you. For example, if you're not a public speaker and speaking in front of an entire club would just shatter you, the podcast is a great way to speak to a large amount of people without rationalizing the fact that you're speaking to a large amount of people. Like anyone could open up Spotify and click on our podcast and hear what we have to say, but I'm just talking to Shreya. Finding somewhere where it's you're comfortable being yourself and 
speaking about the things that you're passionate about. That was a great ending. I like that. (laughs) I love it. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me, to give advice. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having having us. us. I'd love for you to take some of these lessons that you've learned and put them into practice or share some of the lessons that you have learned from your students. It's more than just hearing student voices. It's learning from them. You can follow me and share your own experiences on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.